And uh, Khumuto, good evening to you and welcome. Good evening, Ayabonga. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm nervous and I'm good. Why, why are you nervous? Oh, well, it's not every day when you are asked to say something on radio. Ah, come on. <laughs> I recall when I used to work on the other medium, uh, talking to your sister, Joe. Um, yes, 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 I remember. Yes. So that was probably, what, like two years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And so, so there's nothing to be nervous about. Uh, I think I know quite a bit about uh, your business and I guess our job is to make sure that many of our listeners who are listening to us also get mm-hmm. a, a glimpse into your business. But just briefly, Khumuto, just take us to the genesis of this business, how it started. I mean, you, you come from the world of optometry. Your sister was a stockbroker, uh, a banker mm-hmm. as well. Um, how did you guys come up with the idea of making a foray into the diamond industry which uh, is always locked for people in a site holders it has the beers um yeah and maybe i'm not gonna go any further than that well i think i can blame my sister partly for that because being in the investment uh, environment she was um, exposed to the diamond industry um somewhat sure so yeah so it's it's always intrigued her and i guess when the dawn of um democracy happened everybody was rushing for mining and all of that and we were not to be left behind so we followed suit but we realized soon enough that this is not where we want to be we would rather let other people mine and we get the bad product so we opted for going for a a diamond dealer's license instead of going for the mining so that yeah, that is how we got into the in, into the diamond industry. Talk to me about that, about the licensing. I mean, you you got a diamond dealer's license, but you now also have a beneficiation license. What is mm-hmm. the licensing process when it comes to diamonds, and how costly is it? It's not really costly because at, at the time, um, to get a diamond uh, dealer's license, it was five thousand. I think it still okay. is. Um, we've just renewed our license um, um, a year ago, and it cost us 5,000 rands. So um, all you need is, um, what you need basically is, you need to have a knowledge of diamonds. Mm. So that is where the cost, I, I guess the costly exercise is, because you have to go to diamond school, where you have to pay, um, I think now it's in excess of 26,000 or so, Mm. for a six-week course, yeah. So that's where the most cost is concerned. Yeah. But as, as far as getting the actual license, the cost is very minimal. Khumuto, talk me through this value chain. So, and maybe yeah. we might want to start on the extraction side of things. So I'm say I'm walking in the Northern Cape, um, <laughs> you know, and I'm walking in a place where there's alluvial diamonds. I pick up a diamond uh, and we mm-hmm. can assume for a second that I have a right to pick it up in that fashion and... Mm-hmm. trigger the process in that value chain. Once that diamond mm-hmm. is there, what happens to it? Okay, so we assume that maybe you want to beneficiate that uh, that diamond, right? Which, which means what? Um, you want to... Um, uh, what's the word? You want to see the full value of the of yes. the diamond. Okay. So you, you want to take it from it being a rough diamond to it being a polished diamond so that you can actualize the full value of the diamond. So you would take it for planning. So uh, take it for people that know how to um, say you got a square diamond, right? So you need to know what kind of cut are you going to get out of this diamond? Are you looking for a a round cut, a 
overcut and all of that. So that's okay. where the planning process uh, happens. So the planning process is where the planner uh, plans the stone to get the most value out of it. Mm, mm. Okay. And then once you've made that choice, what happens thereafter? <laughs> once you make that choice, then you take it through to manufacturing. So manufacturing can follow two stages. Either um, if it's a simple stone, then um, you just put it in your, in your equipment and you start um, polishing it. So you put it on a bench. On a bench, we have a, we call it a skies. It's like a hard metal which, has, which is coated with diamond dust. So as you know, that diamond is the hardest um, mineral. Um, you can't break it. You can't bend it. Only a diamond can break a diamond. So for you to be able to cut it, you have to use a di- another diamond. So we use diamond dust. So mm. um, the sky is coated with a diamond dust. So you take the diamond, you put it on what we call a tang, and you start polishing it. And then you polish it stage by stage, like you go... Um, what we call facets. Mm. So you, you put one facet on and then so forth, and then you turn it around until you get the, the shape that you're looking for. Mm. And then once you've polished it and done all of that, uh, I mean, I guess the job is not done. You probably have to now... No, uh, get the to job is not done. <laughs> mm. Now you have to evaluate your diamond. Okay. So evaluating your diamond, you're looking into your forces. So your forces would be your cut. So your cut meaning the shape of the stone. And then your second C, your color of the stone. If it's a D color, it means it's the highest color of the stone, or it can go all the way to M, N, V, the, you know, the dullest color that you can find in a diamond. Mm. And the third C is your clarity. Yes. Um, clarity meaning how clean is the stone inside? How pure is it? Does it have little speckles inside or is it flawless? Mm. And then the third, the fourth C is the carrot, which means the weight of the stone. So using those four C's, that's where you evaluate how much your diamond is going to be worth. Now, Last week, we, we had a discussion on the show. Um, mm-hmm. We were looking through some of our market stories. And one of the big stories that had come out uh, had come out of like these site holder sessions that De Beers yeah. would hold. And uh, there'd been a massive surge in the prices of even very small diamonds, um, mm-hmm. you know, by weight um, and probably not the high quality, high clarity type diamonds. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, talk to us about your guys' experiences in the space. You've been in you know, working in this arena for many years. Um, you know, what determines the ebbs and flows in the prices of the product that you guys then sell? Because you guys don't only do the beneficiation, which is the cutting and the polishing and all of that, but you mm-hmm. also, I guess, are involved in the retail side of things. What influences yes, yeah. dynamics there? What influences your margins? What influences, I guess, your prospects uh, for making for a worthwhile and a viable business? Um, you know what? Since um, 2019, when COVID happened, mm. this is when the market really went haywire because um, all of a sudden there was shortage of rough and all of a sudden there was shortage of polished. So the scarcity of the commodity is what determines the price because whoever that has is able to say, I've got this, therefore the price, it pay me a premium. So at the time, um, during 2020, when 
there was no production. So basically all the mines were closed, so there was no access to rough. So the people that had polished stones on hand were able to ask for a premium for these stones because they knew that they were more in demand. So at that time, it was, it was crazy. But at the same time, people were also trying to get rid of stock so that they can liquidate their, um, their stock so that mm. they have money, you know. So people that were selling were... It's, uh, you, you got two types of people that were selling. You got those that were, wanted to get rid of stock so that they can recover their money. And as a result, they would um, sell for less. So as long as I get my, some, some sort of money back, then um, that determines the price. And there were those that were saying that were buying because they know that um, I'm buying for less, but I know in future the price is going to go up, and therefore I will be able to make money from it. Mm. So, so the market, the, the market environment is what determines um, the price. Right now, mainly we, we are just recovering from, from, from COVID. I mean, we've been through how many variants. And every time a new variant hits, it affects us, it impacts us negatively. So you get um, shutdowns. Like now recently in December, um, we, uh, we were supposed to go to Dubai. We couldn't go to Dubai because, um, because of Omicron. And, mm. you know, um, that, 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 that impacts on the market. So um, that, that's, that, that's what determines the prices. Yeah, let's talk a bit more about the impact of COVID on on your business. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we know, just judging from the reports that had come out there, that there was a lot of pent up demand for luxury goods, and chief among those, of course, is diamonds. Yeah. Um, uh, but one would think that during the hard phases of the lockdown, that you would have had a significant amount, I guess, of challenges for your operations. Talk to us about, I guess, the issues that you were confronted with then. Sure. With us, um, I guess we, you, you know, when you don't know what um, this lockdown is all about, you, you don't know how to plan for it. You don't know how to, it, it was something that was not anticipated. Mm. So um, when we went through lockdown in March, for us, it was a double whammy because a day before the lockdown, our factory got uh, burglared. So we had to deal with that, you know. So our equipment was taken and all of that. So it was that stress. Now another stress was having to shut down the factory because um, of lockdown. And pre-lockdown, remember with us, lockdown happened in March. But for the diamond industry, lockdown happened when China went into lockdown. Mm. So because we've got clients in China, we've got clients in Australia, we've got clients in the U.S., our business was impacted even before our, our South African lockdown. So we had contracts that we were supposed to deliver in February um, for um, Australia and for, for the U.S. Those got cancelled because of that. So that is how hard hit we were. And... We, I guess we, we, we didn't really understand what the impact was going to be. We just thought, okay, maybe it's just a, a contract that will be uh, put on hold and then 
when lockdown ends after a month, we can be able to resume. But that didn't happen. So for us, it was it was really bad. So we effectively closed for eight months. And when we went back to the factory, um, we were literally starting from scratch. So, we, yeah, we're still recovering from that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess for, for many people who are listening in to us, um, mm-hmm. one of the big questions they might have is, you know, at the early stages of your business, I mean, you're probably now turning over significant amounts of money, uh, very healthy margins. Um, and one would think that it hasn't always been like that. Um, talk no. to me about those <laughs> early days. I mean, just the, the, the doors that were shut in your face, the challenges you had to overcome, you know, the cash flow constraints that kept you up at night. Um, because I guess those are the stories that often uh, are a boon to many an entrepreneur listening in. Um, you see, the, the diamond industry has an illusion of, um, um, or, or, um, people think that it's easy. When you've got a diamond, um, you, you, you automatically have a lot of money. So, I mean, we get approached by people with somebody bringing a um, two-carat diamond and they're asking for, give me 300000 And you look at the stone and you're like, but the stone is not worth that much, say. You know? So the perspective, the, the, the perception that um, with diamonds, there's a lot of big margins. It's not really, it's not really there. So um, it's a hard... Um, it's a cash-intensive industry, and for you to make it, you need mm. to really have a lot of money. Like, for for example, if you have to make a a sizable income, for starters, you must have at least ten million for equipment for you to be able to buy stock to beneficiate the stock, and mm. for you to be able to sell, so that you can be able to make at least two to three percent margin on that. Hmm. Now, sure. so, so yeah. Now, um, coming coming to our story. I mean, we are not trust fund kids. Hmm. We were born and bred from Soweto. I don't have a million dollars in my account, you know. <laughs> so we had to start from scratch. We had to cash in our investments. We had to, you know, everything that we had, we had to source ourselves. And with the South African market, unfortunately, funding is not as easy, especially with the, with the diamond industry. Um, the, the, the perception that a diamond industry is an industry of people that are not reliable, you know, you, know, you can't trust a diamond here. As a result, that banks have not really been opening their doors to us. So if you want any kind of finance, they will finance your equipment but they will not finance your stock and yet you need the stock in order to make money so finance has been really difficult so what we have relied on is relationships that we have built in this industry so we've been lucky enough to make really good in uh, relationships that um, the people that we were partnering in we would partner in uh, doing a certain transaction and then you earn a commission from that transaction and that's how you slowly build your 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 pocket, you know. So slowly but slowly your your income grows and then now you are able to um buy your own your your own parcel. Mm. So other yeah, otherwise it's mainly based on relationships. 
Yeah, yeah. And maybe just, you know, uh, as we wrap up, I mean, if you had any message for somebody who would work in a sector or even operate uh, in a sector like the diamond industry, which has its <laughs> own peculiarities, its own, you know, embedded uh, supply chain and value chain relationships. Um, and also, I guess, a considerable amount of capital investment needed. What, mm-hmm. what, what, what would that advice be? I think the first thing is know, know your why. Why are you doing it? You know, our, our why was, um, I mean, when we got our license, we, were, we started as brokers. So we were taking international uh, people, taking them to uh, tenders. Mm. And while we were sitting there, we realized that, you know what? We are not helping our country because we are helping the international people take the resources out of our country. As a result, jobs are not created. So we are part of a problem. So instead of that, we want to be part of a solution. So that is our why. We want to be part of growing beneficiation in South Africa. So find your why. And relationships are very important. Hmm. Yeah. Komoto? We're going to have to leave it there, Siswam. Thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us. I wish you and Joe all of the best. Uh, thank uh, you. As you continue in this business, send my regards to her. And uh, thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us. Thank you so, so much for the opportunity. And good night to you and your listeners. Thank you very much. Khumoto uh, Ramudiba is a co-founder at Kwame Diamonds, sharing with us her experiences uh, in uh, that particular sector. And uh, yeah, certainly not a sector. I don't know.